This morning, we're going to get into the Word. Uh, Let's turn with me, if you will, to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Uh, And we'll be sending an email out about all of that as well. And uh, you know what, Miss Bethany? I forgot to give Miss Jubilee her books. I was so excited about the arrow. Uh, And this is for the parents, the Parenting Collection by James Dobson. And Miss Jubilee gets a little Bible uh, from us, from the church to this family. Amen. Amen. We don't want to forget about that. All right. Let's pray this morning. I believe God's got a word today. Father, we love you so very much. And we thank you for who you are. Lord, what you have said over us. God, what you have already done for us. And God, what you're going to do for us. And Lord, this morning we just prepare our hearts to hear your word. Uh, Lord, may our eyes be open, our ears be open to, to see and to hear, and our hearts, Lord, to receive all that you have for us, God, that we would walk out of this place changed, uh, renewed, set free, and that the peace of God would guard our hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. You know, uh, science has proven that stress can literally make you sick. Do you know that? Uh, stress can actually physically make you sick. Emotional, spiritual things can actually have physical consequences. Uh, it's true. And how many here today wish for a stress, stress-free life? Every hand in the place, right? Man, I wish I had a stress-free life. Don't we all? But how do you actually eliminate stress? Uh, you know, everybody's looking for peace in some form in this world. It'd be inner peace, the meditation or yoga or whatever people are doing today, or external peace. Man, wars, famine, uh, just a job, you know, worried about the economy, worried about all these different things. Uh, even the beauty queens tell us we should go for world peace. You know, if they say it, then we might as well go for it, right? Uh, isn't everyone really, though, in some way or another, searching for peace? In some, some fashion, uh, just to be happy. I want a, you know, a better marriage, I want a better job, or I just like just nothing go wrong this week, right? Sometimes you get to those places where it's just like, God, there can't be one more thing go wrong this week, I'm not going to make it. And how many people in this world today sleep in heavenly peace. You know how many drugs and prescriptions there are out there for sleeping at night? You know how many uh, Zoloft commercials and Xanax and all these types of things for anxiety and depression that this world is producing? How many people really do have a heavenly type of peace? C.S. Lewis said, uh, a car is made to run on gas and it would not run properly on anything else. Now God designed the human machine to run on himself. He Himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn, or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. There is no other. That is why it's just no good asking God to make us happy in our own way, without bothering about religion in Him. God cannot give us a happiness and peace apart from Himself, because it is not there. There is no such thing. Isn't that so true? God is the fuel And uh, we can't try to have a happy life without Him. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, Scripture declares that God is the God of peace, and He had a plan and has a plan to give us eternal peace with Him. Uh, We've been reading this. This is the last in our series of He Shall Be Called. Uh, Isaiah says again, For a child will be born to us, a son given to us. And the government will rest upon His shoulders, and His name will be called, and we've gone through each of these, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of peace. Now, now you've got to catch this. There will be no end to the increase of His government or of peace 
on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and evermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. We're going to talk this morning uh, that we can rest in heavenly peace because of these things. Number one, because of who he is, because of what he said, because of what he's done, and because of what he will do. And I'm going to break those out for you this morning. Number one, we can have peace because simply of who he is. You've got to know who he is first. And peace in who God is, just knowing God and knowing what he's like can bring peace. Now watch this. Uh, peace in the Bible. Uh, everybody heard the greeting shalom. You want to say that with me? Shalom. Okay. Peace, uh, that means peace. It's a, it's a very uh, a normal greeting. Uh, in the Middle East, uh, in the Old Testament time, peace, though, it often meant wholeness or well-being. In the New Testament, it meant the absence of war or conflict. So wholeness, well-being, no war, no conflict. A peace can mean material side. It can mean the material well-being. I'm, I'm physically good. I've got a great harvest this year. There's nothing wrong with my body or my family or nothing's attacking me. Uh, and it can also reflect our moral well-being. Are you at peace within yourself? Uh, it, it's always, it's a, our, mora, our morality is, is, are we a good, uh, whole person on the inside, spiritually, emotionally? Uh, but no matter which one, Scripture always says that peace is a gift of God and that God is the God of peace. Okay, so peace is wholeness, well-being, safety, security. It's always from God, whether it be physical, spiritual, or emotional. Uh, peace can mean all those things. And if it's a gift of God, how many people today would like to unwrap God's peace? We just love that. would be one of your Christmas gifts. Just, man, just, just take it in. The peace of God. Do you feel whole? Are you well? Are you secure and steadfast? Are you physically blessed and are you spiritually blessed? These are questions to ask ourselves this morning. Through faith in who He is, we can have peace. Isaiah chapter 26, you can flip over. Verse 3 says, The steadfast of mind you will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you. He says, Trust in the Lord forever, for in God the Lord we have an everlasting rock. He's saying, If you are steadfastly trusting in who God is, he can keep you in this everlasting peace. He's your foundation, your bedrock. And this Prince of Peace, what does this title mean? Okay, Prince of Peace. It doesn't mean lesser. We're talking about this great king who's coming, but prince here means a title of royalty. Uh, we talk about, uh, for the devil in the New Testament, we talk about prince of the power of the air. Uh, it's not literally what we're saying is he's a prince. We're just saying that's a title of authority, okay? And prince in uh, Middle Eastern times, uh, days could uh, ancient days in the Middle East, could mean king. It doesn't necessarily mean prince, okay? And so here it's saying that he is the, the man of peace, the author. He is the, the authority of peace, and Paul called God the God of peace in Romans 15 and Philippians 4. Why? Because right here, Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. He's the one, uh, this title means this. It means that He is going to be the one who brings the fulfillment of God's everlasting peace for you and me. It means that He is going to be the one who achieves all that God has planned in your life. Now think about that. He's the one who's going to bring you and I the positive guarantee that you and I will have peace with God and this, this type of peace that this Prince of Peace provides, it's going to be the kind of well-being in God. It's going to bring you the benefit and the favor of God. It's going to bring you complete freedom from anxiety. Think about that. That's a big promise. 
Complete freedom from worry or stress or care. Things that you can just give it to the Prince of Peace. Now, now, we all come into Christianity with our preconceived notions. We've all been raised in church, many of us in, this, in, the, south, in the south here. Or we had a grandma who brought us to Sunday school at one time. And we know this Jesus guy. We remember the stories of his birth and all that. But in the, we have to look at Scripture for what it says. And really understand that God is offering something so very great that he wants us to tap into, and that is that he has bringing some heavenly peace down into your and my life. Things that the world doesn't understand and your flesh can't comprehend. It's got to be something beyond your mental capacity. It's got to be something from the Word of God, birth, a living Word, the Spirit of God coming in you, bringing something that you can't do on your own. All right? You understand with me? And this Prince of Peace is bringing a heavenly authority of peace down into your earthly life. And this is something magnificent. It's something wondrous. And how does he do this? He says this, this Prince of Peace would come, and he wouldn't come as just this little guy, you know, like we go to send people to the UN today, and they argue about it for about four years before they ever come to a solution. No, this Prince of Peace is coming down also, remember the other titles, as Mighty God. So he's mighty God. He comes down. This Prince of Peace is going to come end all spiritual war, all physical war. He's going to unite all God's people. He's not going to use diplomacy or compromise. He's going to destroy all of God's enemies. And he's going to create a safe place for you and I to be with God forever. Peace here doesn't reflect weakness. It actually reflects his supreme authority to usher in what he's declaring his rule to be. Right? It's not something that's just going to happen because it works out. It's something that He's going to make it happen. And that's this, uh, this type of peace in your life that when Jesus comes into your life, it doesn't matter what the turmoil and situation is, Jesus Christ can pierce that, step in and declare authority. That's the kind of Prince of Peace we're talking about here. It's something that says, God, I'm going through this situation, I'm going through this trial and suffering. God, you have authority over my life. Come in with your peace. Right? He brings a victory that declares peace in your life. That's what this is all about. And so, He rules in strength. He is mighty God and everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Does He rule? Does His peace rule in your life? Has He won the victories that He needed to gain in your life to bring in that peace? Because His peace comes through winning the victory. That's the awesome part about our God. That's the awesome part about our God. Scripture says that peace is most often associated with truthfulness and faithfulness and righteousness. And so when we say peace in who He is, it means this. It means I recognize that because God is truthful, because God is faithful, because God is righteous, He gives me peace. It's who He is. And when I walk in those things and I walk in truthfulness and righteousness and faithfulness, I know I'll have His peace. And it's this thing that's like, uh, Psalms tells us that where these things meet together, there God is. He is a God who is compassionate towards you, loves you with an everlasting love. So number one, you can have peace today because simply in who He is. He is the Prince of Peace. And His power, His victorious arm, His strong right hand comes into your situation and my situation. steps down into this world. Jesus Christ born. He declares, I have authority over everything and I can bring peace to this situation. Think about that. All the world today is looking for a solution. Jesus Christ says, if you would but yet yield to my authority, I can bring peace to your life. He's at that power. All right? 
So there's peace in who he is. Number two, peace in what he said. All right, follow with me here. Isaiah 54, 9. Peace in what he says. As you turn there, Psalms 85, 8 says, I will hear what God the Lord will say, for he will speak peace to his people, to his godly ones, but let them not turn back to folly, to the way of their old life. I believe God is speaking peace over our lives. I think it's the spoken word of God. It brings, not, and we're going to go into this in a minute, of what kind of peace. But he is speaking. The Bible says he is speaking peace over those who love him and are turning from the things of this world and turning to him. He's actually speaking it over their lives. Now listen, when the world is shaken, how do you and I stand? When our life is just uh, turning over itself, how do we stand? When the world is wicked... Uh, where does our faith uh, end up? When the, wor- when the Word of God is our bedrock, our firm foundation, I can know that, God, you are good to your Word. It's a good Word for those who believe it, trust in it, and obey it. And so do I hear the Word of God speaking over my life today. Luke, or sorry, Isaiah 54, 9. He says this, and this kind of goes along with this theme of Prince of Peace. It says, For this is like the days of Noah to me. When I swore that the waters of Noah would not, fl- would not flood the earth again, so I have sworn that I will not be angry with you nor rebuke you, for the mountains may be removed and the hills may shake, but my loving kindness will not be removed from you. And my covenant of peace will not be shaken, says the Lord who has compassion on you. Get this. Jesus told Israel, the days that, of your last days will be like the days of Noah. All right, and Isaiah is saying the same thing here. He says, Israel, your last days, your days that you live in is like these days of Noah. What's the days of Noah like? Do you remember? Violence and murder and incest and all kinds of bad things happening, much like our world today. And Jesus says, or sorry, Isaiah says, hey, God is telling you your days are like the days of Noah. But he says, my covenant of peace will never end with you. And he reminds them that he gave them, he gave Noah this great promise, right? And so what did he tell Noah? And what is the thing in the sky? The rainbow, right? He says, hey, the world is wicked. You are a preacher of righteousness, and I created the ark, this vessel of salvation for you. I saved you and your family and those who believed in my name, and I was sure to my word. Not only that judgment would come, but I'd also save you because you believed in me, and you trusted in me, and you obeyed me. And I saved you, didn't I? And I began a new world, all right? And he's saying, that covenant of peace in the last days is the same. In the last days, when they become like the days of Noah, yes, judgment is going to come, but my word still stands true. It won't come by water. It'll come by fire. But those who believe and trust in me and are preachers of righteousness, I have created a vessel, an ark again. What is that? It's the church of Christ, the church, the body of Jesus Christ, and those who enter into its doors are saved. And this, this word of God is here today. It says, God's covenant of peace will not be shaken. Now, think about this for a minute. God's covenant of peace will not be shaken. It doesn't matter what's going on in this world today. Because God has said He will save you. He will save you. Now, think about that. There's a lot of guarantees you don't have today. You, buy, you go buy a piece of furniture, and they say it's brand new. Then you get it home, and then there's like a rip off the back, right? And you're like, there's no guarantees sometimes. You go somewhere, you tell McDonald's, I want a double quarter pounder with or, or cheese. You may or may not get it. It's just luck of the draw sometimes, right? You know, but God says, even though they may hunt you down and kill you, even though they may burn your houses, even though they may tear your families apart, even though they may speak ill over you, you will not be shaken because you're mine. 
That's his everlasting word. That Just to think about that God has spoken something over Heath Harris, and he says, Heath Harris, I've got you. Don't worry. I got this. Think about it. Do you feel that personal relationship with God that he says, I have got My covenant of peace with you will not be shaken. Somebody can come against you and shake it all up, and the world can turn over upside down, and, and it's going to. And he says, you have my guarantee as long as you're in my vessel of salvation, the body of Jesus Christ, you will survive every flood, every storm, every torrent, every rain, every hail, fire, and brimstone that comes against you. You will not be shaken. Man, that is the word of God for you and I. In the midst of life's storms, when you feel tossed around, when you feel abandoned, when you feel left for ruin, you may cry out and people may cry out, God, do you even care if I'm drowning? God, do you even care about what I'm going through? Does God care if your life is falling apart? It reminds me of the great windstorm in Mark chapter 4. It comes up on the Sea of Galilee, and the disciples cry out, Teacher, do you even care that we're perishing? And they woke him up. Do you even care that we're perishing? And what does he do? Jesus wakes up. Rebukes the wind, he says, peace, be still. Peace. And he reminds them, he says, why are you so afraid? How is it that you have no faith? We can have faith in who he is and what he says over you and I. He says peace. He's speaking peace. And I wonder sometimes, I know he was speaking to the wind and the waves, but I think he was kind of also speaking to them too. Calm it down a little bit. I got this. If you're going to, you can't die because I'm on the boat, right? I, God's not going to let him die. And so if I am in the vessel with Jesus Christ, I'm in that ark, I'm in that boat. He, I am in him and he is in me and we are riding the storms together and he can speak peace to any troubled water. Man, that is his everlasting covenant and he lived it out in Mark 4. It was spoken back all the way in Isaiah, speaking about this prince of peace who could come into your life. He can, so peace in who he is, peace in what he said. Do you have faith in who he is and what he says? God cares about your storms of life. Through faith in his word, you can have peace. Now, number three, peace in what he's done. Peace in who he is, peace in what he said, peace in what he's done. There's a promise, peace. And so many people looking for peace today, internal, external and so, nothing, the same thing happened, man, in, in the New Testament in the, the first century. Talk about a, a crazy day to live when Rome took over. And, man, there was an economy crisis. There was uh, uh, social upheaval. Marriages were falling apart. Divorce was at its all-time high. Uh, wars. Man, many thousands and thousands of men had died. The population was so upside down. There was way more women and children than men. Uh, and things were just falling apart at the time that Jesus was born. The kings and kingdoms are all turning over and... And there was no certainty for tomorrow. It's exactly like today. And the angel of God comes down in Luke 2.14 and he says, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. He's declaring a promise that there can be peace in a troubled and war-torn world among those who are at peace with God. Right? And when you are at a place with God, and, and how? Paul uses this term right in his letters, and he looks back upon uh, what Christ has done. And when he uses his grace and peace with you, if you notice this in the New Testament, a lot of times he ends it or closes it that way. 
When he said that, he said it like this. It, it means literally a confidence in God and what he's done. So who he is, what he's said, and what he's done. And mostly and almost always, it's in relationship to the work of Jesus Christ, that he is the God of peace because of what Christ has done through his cross and resurrection. And that means that Jesus Christ comes down, this Prince of Peace, and he ends the dominion of sin, the devil, and darkness in our lives, and he makes peace with God in us. He becomes that thing between us that breaks that wall, and we're going to read that second, Isaiah 9, 4. He says, you'll break the yoke of their slavery. You'll lift the heavy burdens from their shoulder. You'll break the oppressor's rod, just as you did in the battle of Midian. Uh, The uh, boots and the uniforms of war will all be burned, and there'll be fuel for the fire. Look in the back in the Old Testament. God always establishes peace for his people through his mighty works. Think about the Exodus. It didn't just come because he said, I mean, Pharaoh had his opportunity to let him go. But when he wouldn't, God was willing to declare mighty works in their situation to illustrate peace and to bring about peace into their lives. And so over and over again, whether it be Jericho, whether it be, you know, David in his uh, life, or, and, and you go all the way in the New Testament, even in Paul, uh, God is willing to establish peace for his people by his mighty works. And the greatest work of all is Christ on the cross. God is willing to demonstrate through something mighty, his, a mighty work. And this work on the cross is no different. Uh, it says that uh, Jesus then on the cross became what he's done for us. He's became our peace offering. You know that word there means communion? What do we take every month here at Sanctuary? We take communion. Uh, it means this peace offering, that there's this, this intimacy, this restored relationship that comes now because of what Christ has done for us. Uh, there's no more hostility or enmity between us and God. You know, you have an argument with somebody, and uh, uh, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, real cool. You can go sit over there, though. You know, like, uh, you, you, you try to, oh, yeah, we're good, we're good, we made up, we made up, but then you still really don't want to sit by the next person, or you still feel like, you know, when they walk at Walmart, you're like, oh, I want to go down this. Lord, please don't let them go down my aisle. Go down my aisle. You want to go down the other aisle? Come on. Y'all ain't that holy, you know? Uh, <laughs> when God looks at you now because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, there is no animosity. There is no remembering the things that you've done, the times we've stabbed you in the back, the times that we've spit on him, the times that we've walked away from him. And, and, and not met up to the expectations that we should have. God looks at you with an everlasting peace between you. That Jesus Christ becomes our peace, Ephesians tells us. That uh, it's, it's, there's no more enmity between us. Just like the sacrificial lamb in the Exodus. The blood of the lamb is applied to the doors of our hearts. The wrath of God passes over us and we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. That, Ephesians 6 says this is the good news of peace. Gospel is good news about the peace you and I have with God. It, uh, Paul says, remember, you were separate at the time from Christ, Ephesians 2, uh, 12. He says, you were excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, the blessings of God, strangers to this covenant of promise, this covenant of peace. And he says, you had no hope. You were without God in the world, doing your own thing. And he says, but now Christ Jesus... In Christ Jesus, when you were far away, He brings you near to the blood of Christ, by the blood of Christ. He Himself is your peace, who made both groups into one, and He broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. Romans 5 tells us that you've been justified by faith, 
having peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I, you come into church, or you, you, you get to that place, and you know, we hear things, and we, we think we understand the gospel, but yet we, we still don't have this... I don't, it seems like there's something missing sometimes. People come in, and it's still like, I don't quite get it. I think it's getting to a deeper revelation of what Christ has done for you. Only who God is, what He said, but then he's, what He's done... You think about it, you know, are we tired of the disease of sin and its consequences in our life? We'll never have peace until we give God full authority over every member of our body. Uh, do we have peace with God? Are we in a good place with Him? Do we have that spiritual communion, that personal relationship with Him? I like how when Jesus encountered somebody and He healed them, you know what He often said? Go in peace. This is a recurring theme. You guys picking up on this word peace throughout the Bible here? Go in peace. Have you and I had an encounter with God where you were touched by Him and then you leave different? That's salvation. And then it happens continually. It's not just a one-time thing. It's a renewal that, man, I want to have an encounter, a physical, tangible touch with the Spirit of Christ that I leave different. He says, go now in peace. Maybe it be physical peace. Maybe it be mental peace, spiritual, emotional, whatever it be. But we need to get back, church, to being a people who actually encounter the Spirit of God when we come to church. Not just coming to hear the pastor or sing some songs, but literally encountering Him because of what He's done. He's already done the work. It is so very easy now that we don't have to press through the crowds anymore. We don't have to call out some sacrifices and hope God hears us. But He became our peace, and now we can go in it so very freely that He's willing to do these things. I want a life-changing encounter with the Prince of Peace. And finally, peace in what He will do. So there's peace in who He is, peace in what He says, that everlasting covenant of peace, Peace in what He's done, becoming our peace on the cross, and peace in what He will do. Man, if that wasn't enough, He he gets even better. Peace in what He will do. How does the future look in the world today? Man, I'm thinking about this a lot. You know, they said on the news, uh, I was listening to satellite radio yesterday, and uh, they did a poll, and they said, uh, sent this poll out to say, uh, was 2015 a good year? It was only like 10% of the world, you know, the stats said, only 10% of people thought 2015 was a good year. That it was worse than 2014. That means that the world's outlook is pretty grim. You know, we look at the world today and we think, man, it was not, this, it was not a good year, right? Many people lost their jobs, the terrorist attacks, and all these things, the, the politics of our country and, and liberalism and all these things falling apart. People today are depressed. It's darker. Their tomorrow is darker than their today. And that's not a great place to be. That's not a place I want to live in. And how does the future look? Is it really getting better with men in charge? Or ladies, whichever. Next year's election will hold, right? Is it better or worse with human beings in charge? We have to realize that we are the problem. Mankind cannot fix this world, and mankind cannot usher in world peace, or even peace between countries. You know, even the Antichrist will usher in a false peace. That's what we're told. There's no real peace on this earth until there is one supreme prince of peace, one leader, one king, one God, and the whole world, every knee bow, every tongue confess, God, you are the prince of peace. God, you are the only one, the author of all things. 
One author said this, he says, The world cannot achieve or provide peace because it cannot deal with the problem of sin right here in our hearts. We can't achieve peace because we can't deal with the problem of sin. But the Bible says that there will be no end to the increase of His government or of peace. On His throne and over His kingdom, true peace for this world comes when Jesus Christ rules in supreme authority over every heart, every man, every woman, every child. We have two promises. I'm going to read these verses to you today before we close. Ezekiel 37, 26 says, And I will make a covenant of peace with them. An everlasting covenant. We know we've already received that. We just talked about that. And he says, I'll give them their land and the increase of their numbers. I'll put my temple among them forever. I'll make my home among them. I'll be their God. They'll be my people. And when my temple is among them forever, the nations will know that I am the Lord who makes Israel holy. And John saw in Revelations 21, this temple descending, this great new day beginning. He says, and I read it this morning, He'll wipe every tear from our eyes. There'll no longer be any death among us. There'll no longer be any mourning, no more crying, no more pain, for all the former things will pass away. And then He will sit on the throne and say, I am making all things new. He says these words are faithful and true. And He says, it is finished. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. There's coming a day... When the God of peace, Paul says, will soon crush Satan under our feet. Because of who he is, because of what he said, because of what he's done, and because of what he's going to do, you and I today can have peace forever and ever and ever and ever. Man, that's good news. Are you secure today in that hope? Do you trust him? Is your tomorrow looking better already? Man. Weeping may last for a night, Psalm says, but joy comes in the morning. Amen. Amen. Miss T, would you come? I'm going to challenge us today to leave this place and go in peace. This is going to be our response. I'm going to ask the Lord just to meet us in this moment, that we would encounter Jesus Christ to leave in peace. Shalom, peace. Actually, it's like our how are you. And when we pass someone in the street, what do we normally do? How are you doing today? We expect them to say, oh, I'm doing great. Oh, yeah, 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 great. We don't want to hear the bad news, right? But when God, this word shalom, it actually means, do you have peace? Not how are you, but do you have peace today? I think that would be God's question to us. Shalom. Do you have peace? Are you at peace with God? Are you at peace within yourself? Are you at peace in your, your marriage, your finances, your relationships? Are you at peace in your future? But we can rest in a heavenly peace when we really, really, really realize who He is, what He's said, what He's done, and what He will do. 1 Peter 1, 2, and I'll close with this, says, The God, because of God the Father's plan and the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, the blood of Jesus, Peter says this, May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Peace is a gift through Jesus, but we've got to receive it. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Jesus, Holy Spirit, come. God, in this moment, I pray that you would encounter every single one of us, that we would touch the hem of your garment. Lord, in this place right now, God, to know who you are, 
God, you have supreme authority. God, you have the authority to give peace in our life. God, not because uh, of, of your deliberation or your working us out or compromise, but God, you can come in authority as mighty God and be victorious in every area of our life, God. And then peace, the Prince of Peace will rule and reign in that area of our life, God. Now, Lord, we know that you said, God, in your word, we will not be shaken because you've made a covenant, a, a promise, an everlasting promise of peace that we will, be, we will make it, God. You will not forsake us. You're with us always until the very end. God, and because of what you've done, that Jesus Christ is that moment. The Lord, it's that encounter with you, God. It's that, that embrace with you, God, that Jesus removes all sin, all, all shame. He removes all, all my past, God. And because of His work, His great mighty deliverance on my behalf, I can have peace with God. And Lord, I know there is coming a day. There is coming a day, Lord, that we will rejoice forevermore when the peace of God will pass all of our understanding once and for all. Lord, we will be with Christ Jesus. And Lord, I pray today that every single person in this place would be in that ark, would be in that vessel of salvation, would be in communion with you by the blood of the Lamb. Lord, that we would be saved on that boat. God, and you would say, peace be still to our hearts, our minds, our spirits. God, you would say, peace be still to our troubled situations, our storms of life. God, and we would trust you, have faith who you are, what you've said and what you've done and what you're going to do, God. Holy Spirit, right now in this moment, I'm going to ask Miss T to lead this little hymn. Would you just take this as an altar?